Well, this is our last Sunday before Christmas. Christmas is just a few days away, and it is a good time to remember what Christmas is all about. Now, I know if you're watching or listening, you probably think to yourself, I know exactly what Christmas is all about. But sometimes we forget. In other words, it's kind of like the small child when they receive a Christmas present. I don't know whether you've ever seen this happen, but I certainly have with my own children, that they get the present, they unwrap it, and they are less interested in the present than in the box it came in. And in some ways, we're like that with Christmas. In some ways, we get more interested in all the packaging that we've added to Christmas instead of the present that is at the center of Christmas, Jesus himself. That's why year after year, it's important for us to come back to the story, to see the subject of the story. We do that today by looking at the classic Christmas story from Luke chapter 2, verse 1 through 20. Listen as I read this wonderful story from God's Word. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was the governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying God and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. Thus ends the reading of our text. When we study God's Word, we ask for His help 
We do it in prayer. Let's pray now. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this marvelous story, for this story of the beginning of the life of Jesus here in this world. Oh Lord, we know that it was not the beginning of Jesus's life, but only of his human life. And we pray even now as we study this great beginning that we will focus on the subject of the story, Jesus himself. Lord, to do that, we need your spirit. So send it now that the one who listens will hear and learn about how great Jesus is and that we might, through that same spirit, respond in a way that gives you honor and glory. And I pray for me that your spirit will help me to speak your word to your people that they might hear, see, and experience Jesus. Even now we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So as we look at this text uh, together today, I want us to look at it under two big headings with several subheadings underneath. First of all, we need to focus on the subject of Christmas, the subject of the story. But secondly, I want us to see the response to Christmas, the response to the birth of Jesus. So those are the two things we're going to be looking at. First of all, we're going to look at the subject of Christmas. We really see that in the first seven verses. There we see a story about how because of a government action requiring people to be registered, and this was really registering in order to be taxed, that there in Israel, everyone had to return to their own hometown. Now, it's not necessarily where you were born, but where your family originated. And notice how carefully the text tells us that the place where Joseph originated, where his family came from initially, is from Bethlehem. Bethlehem, of course, as the text shows us, is called the city of David, not because necessarily this is where David lived uh, during his kingship. He lived in Jerusalem, but this is where he was born. This is where he was brought up. And so you can imagine what sense of pride that the people in Bethlehem had, that they lived and were from the place where the famous, the important, the crucial person in the history of Israel, David himself, had been born. And that's where Joseph's family was from. And so he went there to be registered. He took his betrothed, betrothed uh, there, who's Mary, that is his fiance, took her there. Now, of course, she was greatly expecting. Of course, some ask the question, why is it that he took Mary with him? Some say perhaps Mary had reason herself to be registered because perhaps she had some property in Bethlehem. We simply don't know. What we do know is that it was a long and arduous journey. It's a 70-mile straight shot from uh, there in Nazareth down to Bethlehem. But most likely, they actually bypassed Samaria, which would have been common in that day, which would have made it a 90-mile trek. And so that is where they've come, all to bring us to the focus of attention, which is the birth of the child named Jesus. Now, this birth took place not in a palace or in a very anesthetic hospital, but it took place in this place where the animals were kept. Now, I know that even in the uh, little crash behind me that we think about it as a uh, separate structure, but many believe this would have been 
part of the structure of the greater home. As a matter of fact, the, the word that's translated here in our text for in is really a word that's probably more appropriately, appropriate to be guest lodging. So it could have been that they were in a home where someone else was already staying in the place guests would stay. And so they had to stay in the animal room. It could have been a room that uh, was dug into a cave. There are a lot of theories about this. But what we know is it wasn't a place that people normally had to sleep in. But because of the very full capacity in Bethlehem during this time, that is where Mary and Joseph were when she went into labor. And this is where Jesus was born. Interestingly, he is wrapped in swaddling clothes, as it says, which is very normal uh, for a baby during that time in Israel. But here is something very unusual. He is placed in a manger, that is, in a, a trough that animal, animals feed in. That is not exactly the most appropriate crib. I think about young parents today, whenever they have a baby on the way, they go out and they now buy the most high-tech places for that baby to lie and to sleep. Uh, that I have ever seen. I remember uh, when my children were young, pretty much anything that had some sort of uh, relatively substantial mattress and some sides on all four sides uh, really was a crib. I'm pretty sure that all of the cribs that my children used would be considered unsafe today. But how much more would we be concerned if we saw a baby lying in a place where animals fed and yet, this is where Jesus is placed. It is interesting, one writer said uh, that we need to note that Jesus was born uh, among animals and he died among thieves. And that is a fascinating part of the story of God who became flesh in Jesus Christ. See, here is the subject. But in this opening first seven verses, I also want to notice as we see the subject of the birth of Jesus, this contrast with the character that's introduced in the very first line. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus. Now, who was Caesar Augustus? Caesar Augustus was actually a man named Octavian who through a variety of uh, battles and intrigue uh, rose to be the supreme leader of the Roman Empire. And he was declared to be Caesar Augustus. Now, Augustus means majestic or holy. In fact, even in the British Museum today, you can find uh, inscriptions that were made during this time that talked about Caesar Augustus as being one who brought peace and joy and salvation to the world in which he reigned. I bring that up because I believe Luke here, writing to Theophilus, is writing to him to draw a contrast between this one who claimed to bring salvation and peace in the world to the one who actually did, Jesus himself. This is the subject of the story. Now, the question is, what is the appropriate response to this story? Now, we all know our response now. Uh, we go out and we buy uh, or put up our Christmas decorations. We buy a lot of presents, and that's how we respond to Christmas. As a matter of fact, this week I heard a story about how this year Christmas trees 
were at an all-time high in price uh, because of a shortage of Christmas trees. Now, of course, people in the first century there in uh, the area around Bethlehem didn't have to worry about problems putting up decorations. They had other concerns on their minds. And yet, in this text, we see three responses to the beginning of Christmas, to the birth of Jesus himself. I want us to look at those quickly, uh, one by one. They're all appropriate and necessary reactions to Christmas that we should find in our own lives and hearts. The first is the response of Mary. We see it down in verse 19. Look with me. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. The first response to Christmas is to dwell on it, to meditate on it, to spend time thinking and praying about the reality of the coming of Jesus. Yes, we can think about it in a cosmic way in terms of how different the world is and how different our life is, which we should, but we could also ponder, as I've already pointed out, the unbelievable nature of his birth, how unusual, how humble, how very present to the realities of our human existence his birth was. Of course, we also meditate and ponder about the reality that this was just the beginning of the story. I know oftentimes people are much more comfortable with the story of Christmas because Jesus is just a baby. But the story goes on to tell us how he grew into a man. And a, a man who was mighty in word and deed. A man who lived perfectly in his life. Who honored God with every word, thought, and action. And a man who at the end of his life was gotten rid of by being accused of being an evildoer. A rebel against Rome. A sinner against God. And was placed upon a cross, not because he had in fact done anything wrong, but because he in gracious love was willing to die in the place of people who had done wrong, who had sinned, who had rebelled against God. He, after three days being in the grave, rose from the dead to show that indeed he had paid the price that Sinners owed to God, that He had made us right with God, that He had, as is announced in this text, brought peace to all that received the favor or the grace of God. We need this time of year not simply to meditate upon the truths of Jesus' birth, but of the truths of Jesus' life. And we see that in the response of Mary. As a matter of fact, many scholars and writers believe that this reference here to Mary treasuring up all these things in her heart is a little bit of a pointer to where Luke received this story. I mean, let's think about it. There were only a few people there the night Jesus was born. There were, of course, the shepherds and the people who happened to be in the home where his birth took place. But then there was Mary and Joseph and Jesus. And, of course, the question is, who repeated the story to Luke? Most believe it could have been Mary herself or James or one of the other members of her family because this was a treasured memory of what had happened. 
But I can tell you that those same people who repeated this story of his birth could have repeated the story of his whole life. And we should have a similar pondering in our own heart. Secondly, I want us to see the response of the angels. This is a response of worship. You see, it's one thing just to think about it. It's another thing to respond uh, with our affections, with our heart itself. You see, worship is recognizing the worth or the value of something or someone else. And we see that in the response of the angels. Now, of course, they announced the specifics of what had happened and even the meaning of what had happened, that he will be, uh, Dave, uh, he will be a Savior who's called Christ the Lord. He, they announced this to the shepherds. But then we see this host of heaven. This literally is a reference to an army of angels. It is uncommon to think about an army being employed in the act of singing or praising, but this is exactly what this army is deployed for. They begin to praise God for His goodness and His grace. Read it again in verse 14. Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom He is pleased. You see, this worship, this giving of value, is a giving of value to God Himself, God the Father. They give Him glory. They say He is to have glory above all other glory. You see, Christmas responds to a glad worship. Now, too often during this time of year, we consider almost everything else to be more valuable. We actually worship other things. And I don't mean capital W worship necessarily. Maybe it's little w worship. I know many of us uh, have many things that are treasured uh, memories and practices and traditions at this time of year, but none of them should be valued more than the God who brought us Jesus, who is Christmas itself. And so there they worship Him. Everything about this praise is giving honor to God. You say, well, wait a second. Part of it is talking about how people on earth can have peace. But even that part is giving honor to God. Who has peace? Those who receive the pleasure, the favor, or the grace of God. You can interpret it either way. Those who receive favor are those who receive the beneficence that God gives to those that He desires to give it to. If you know and cherish the story of Christmas and the whole story and of the life of Jesus, then you are one who has received a great grace from God. And our response should be to give Him praise and to give Him honor. But thirdly, I want us to see the response of the shepherds. In many ways, the shepherd's response model the response that Luke wants from his reader. Not only the reader he identifies at the beginning, uh, Theophilus, the fear of God, but the response of every person who reads this book. What should they do in response to hearing the story about Jesus? Well, here we see that the shepherds respond by doing three things. They respond by listening to the word that's given to them. They respond by believing that word and, and acting upon it. And thirdly, 
they respond by testifying or sharing that word with others. We see that step by step. They heard the words of the angels there that I've already mentioned. The day is born in the city of David, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this is a sign for you. They're given uh, evidence of this great testimony of the angels that they're going to find a baby not the wrapped in swaddling clothes part, that wouldn't have di differentiated Jesus from any other baby, but the fact that he was lying in a feeding trough in a manger, that was weird. That was different. Uh, children normally weren't lying in mangers, and so they give them all this. And notice what happens in uh, verse 15, when the angels went away from them in the heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. Immediately, you can almost imagine their excitement after hearing this great announcement, seeing this terrific worship of the army of angels, that they are like just chattering to one another. Can you believe this? Can you believe this? Can you believe this? And they say, you know what? We need to go and see it. We need to go and look for this child who's lying in the manger. In other words, they heard, they processed the word of God, and they believed it. So they heard the word, they believed the word, and then they go out. And notice what it says that they did in verse 16. They went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. Now, I wonder how many places they visited before they found them. I wish the text would tell us. I can almost imagine them knocking on doors. Is there a baby in a manger in your home? Wouldn't that have been a sight? But their excitement drove them until they found the thing that the sign of the angel pointed directly to, and that was, of course, the center of Christmas, Jesus himself. And when they find him, they are excited. Notice what happens. When they saw it, they made known the saying that was, had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at the, what the shepherds told them. So there is Mary and Joseph and whoever else might have come to attend them on the birth of Jesus. And they're like, you will not believe this. An angel appeared to us and announced to us that this was a Savior and that he had come as a grace of God to those that were favored by him. And people were just amazed. In other words, they had heard the word. They had acted on the word. But I want you to notice that this testifying didn't end there around Jesus in this place uh, where the animals were kept. But it continued. Uh, notice in verse 20, and the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told to them. What had become a characteristic of these shepherds? They were exuberant about what they had heard, about what they had seen because they had believed, and now they were worshiping and praising and continuing to communicate to others what they had heard and seen. This is testimony. You see, those who have truly understood what Christmas is about, the coming of a Savior for those who would receive Him as these shepherds did by faith, cannot help but to honor Him to have that second response of worship, but also of sharing that good news with others, telling other people. Now, I know 
Over the last nine months, we have had very little opportunity to even be around other people, much less share with them. But in the coming year, the days are coming where we will be able to be with people again. During the time between now and then, let us reflect and ask that the Lord would show us how like the shepherds, we can be faithful testifiers, witnesses, storytellers, truth deliverers to those that are in our family, that we live around, and that we know in every context. This is the response to Christmas. It isn't meant simply to give us a sweet and sentimental feeling in our heart. Christmas happens so that we will respond in thinking, in worshiping, in hearing, believing, and sharing the good news of Christmas. I pray that both this Christmas and the days that follow, that we will be able to respond to Christmas in this way. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, we love you. We thank you for how your word shows us your wonderful grace, kindness, goodness, Lord, and the beauty and power that you have expressed through and in Christ. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your unbelievable, humbling work of kindness and grace to come and to be among people like us. We praise you and thank you for living that perfect life, for dying in our place, for raising from the dead so that we might know that we can have peace with God and eternity with you. And oh Lord, we look to you even now to come again, Lord, where we can be with you for all eternity. This year, may we be people who have responded to Christmas, that we have heard this good news, that we have believed it, and that we share it. May we do so that you always might receive the worship and glory that you deserve, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us. I know that this is a beautiful and wonderful week. I pray that it is a week of encouragement and joy for you. Now, uh, I know that there are many things on our week, on our mind this week, but if you have a moment to drop us a note and let us know how you're encouraged this Christmas, we would love it. I've received Christmas cards from even some of you, and I've been encouraged to hear about your praise of what God has done for you, even during a very challenging year uh, that has passed but we always love to hear from you. You can find all the information on the screen if you'd like to learn more about King's Cross Church and the ministry we are praying God will do here in Fort Mill. You can also find more on the website that has listed. Now, before you go into this, the enjoyment of Christmas this week, I want you to do it under the blessing of God. Here now, His blessing. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make His face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up His countenance upon you and give you peace. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Merry Christmas, everyone.